You're listening to Cooking with the Hazelnuts. Duck, Debbie Hazelton. Duck! Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes our ratings. Do you have a cooking project or a favorite recipe that you would like to share with us? Do you have a demonstration that you would like to bring to us of your cooking? If you do, we would love to know about it, and we will consider having your segment on our show. So use our contact information and let us know about you and what it is you would like to bring to us. Here we are flying into your homes. There's this thing going on right now. Today is Rick Morin's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Rick Rick Morin. Morin. One of the people on the yin and the yang, actually, who is with one of the other hazelnuts from here, Brian Charleston, Rick Morin is um, celebrating his birthday. And we've had this ongoing discussion because on the yin and the yang, Brian and Rick talked on New Year's about cheese balls and how many (laughs) servings, because I forgot how many they said were in this large container. They figured out that 37 cheese balls are one serving. Aren't you impressed? Well, if they're doing this on New Year's Eve, not really. (laughs) No. Well, so the other day, Rick asked me how many Cheetos made for a serving. If 37 cheese balls, nice had Miss Des look on the bag. It takes 29 Cheetos. I don't know how they figure that. Cheetos are much smaller, but cheese balls are filled with air. So anyway, who knows happy birthday, in, Rick. Who knows what's in cheese balls? I mean. It's dangerous. It really is. Yeah. Happy I'm birthday, this, Rick. This and junk. Uh, hope you get what's mm-hmm. coming to you. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hot air. <laughs> There's a... There's a challenge for you. I know. I know. We want you to make a meatloaf recipe with Cheetos. I think really in That's a non- the challenge. in a non-threatening way, I think Rick is actually telling me to stuff it. <laughs> <laughs> Rick is out there going, "Yeah, that's right, big R, come on, I know that." <laughs> That's probably the most obnoxious thing I have to contribute to this show this week. Oh, no, there'll be more. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Well, here we are flying into your living rooms once again, ladies and gentlemen, and we are very happy <laughs> to be here. <laughs> That's your flying noise, right? Right. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about duck. Quack, 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 quack. Brian Charleston <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> demonstrating his duck in the oven. And I'm glad that he did this because I've done duck many times. And But you decided to duck out this time. I and let really him did. Do I'm glad that he <laughs> ducked in. <laughs> Watch Brian out for those low flying ducks. Hazel nut. That's really good. Duck, I'm, duck. I'm glad there's a lot of nuts out there that uh, there are. like what we do. We heard from some other nuts we heard from sarah who wanted us to know about nutella now is that sarah it's great on is that sarah elawami do you know i don't know she didn't give her last name okay so hmm, so 
first she didn't give a name at all. And then she said, oh, I'm sorry. My name is Sarah. So I don't know, but she might let us know. But she may want to be an anonymous hazelnut. But she she uh, said Nutella. And I have a confession. I don't really like hazelnuts. I don't like the flavor or the taste. Oh, my God. Even you, on regular hazelnuts, you know, filberts, you don't like the taste of them? I haven't probably really had them. I'm a deprived child. But like hazelnut coffee creamer, hazelnut oh, coffee. Wait a minute now. That's no. totally different. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if you were to pop a hazelnut in your right. mouth, then I think you would well, probably. I stand enlightened then. Thank you. <laughs> hazelnuts, if you were to actually eat one, really are incredible things. Okay, well, so I mean, we would have to. Try, try one. I mean, if you get a chance. All right. Uh, let's see. How can I get you to try one? If they're in a can or a jar or whatever, oh. that's not the same thing. What you want, what you want is a raw hazelnut. <laughs> <laughs> Hazelnut in the raw. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Not going to go there at all. I mean, I can. I certainly can think about it a lot, but <laughs> we are going to actually say to you guys what we're going to do right now is play you a promo, and the promo is about our voicemail, and here it goes. That's not only the OptiGrill beef. To say that food is cooking, it's also just a little something to get your attention because we need to let you know that we now have a new phone number for voicemail. The new number is 641-715-3900. That's 641-715-3900. The passcode 412-728-POUND. That's 412-728-POUND. Thank you for listening. We look forward to hearing from you. There. <laughs> Yay. Wasn't that a great promo? Now, guess what? What's it's, that? It's really live now. I it mean, really is. It really did works. We, get, we got messages before. Did people just hang up? They they didn't hear anything, and they really didn't want to talk to us, so they just, didn't, just hung up. But you know Wasn't what? Wasn't there an, like an automated outgoing anything? Mm. Like... I don't know. I never, I never called into uh, it I either. I never called it. <laughs> but that's okay. We've got your phone numbers and everything from the sign-in. Right. So we'll, we'll call, call you back you and middle. hang up on you <laughs> anonymously. So watch him, watch him call in now and go, hey, I got hung up on. <laughs> yeah, and they'll assume it's us. But we're actually live. And the voicemail <laughs> really works. And you can just call and call and call. Uh-oh. And we will put you on. <laughs> and put you on the air. Mm-hmm. Now, I, under, I understand there was a a gentleman that called in. There was. Mm-hmm. And he went on and on about how much he likes the show. Shall we hear him? Sure, why not? All right, I'll put him on. This is a test to see if the voicemail box message service is working. You guys are so wonderful. We just love your show. I hope it just goes forever. Yeah, right. Good. There. there. Needs to be put on. Good. I'm <laughs> does glad he, you put him on. Does he sound familiar at all? He does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yours truly actually calls into the show and 
brags about how, brags. How, how the show really how the show really is. There is you don't a, want to hear what I say if I call myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's no, you left don't. unsaid. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a point to the show. Uh, other than the duck, we're going to talk about stuff stuff that we've done, right? Yeah, not just mistakes, but no, no, both of us have made some cool stuff this week. We didn't demo, but we each made something, mm-hmm. and we'll be glad right. to talk you through them. Now, so we could either do beef before chicken because it comes earlier in the alphabet, or we could do well. I don't know. I was thinking of parmesan and marsala. Well, I don't know. Go first anyway. All right. I've talked enough. <laughs> okay. Well, I made chicken parmesan. And Yum. Chicken, chicken parmesan is, is, is kind of like veal parmesan, only with chicken. And <laughs> <laughs> we went to the store and got three great big chicken breasts. I mean, I, I've never seen a chicken that big because the breasts were huge, but they weren't fatty and they had no skin and no bones. So the first thing I did was I took my trusty handy dandy Denny's meat tenderizer, which is uh, uh, a handle that has got about maybe, um, I want to say, let's say maybe 60 little holes on the underside of it that when you push down on the handle, little pins poke into these uh, meats that you can tenderize. Yeah. And they create what's called flavor channels. And that's so that you can tenderize and also press dry rubs into your, or or marinades, into your meats. And they're very cool. So, yeah. And if you go to QVC, and I, I, I'm sure that, there are other places, and just look for Denny Meat Tenderizer. You'll find it. And I really encourage you guys to look for them. They're really cool. So uh, once I tenderize the chicken breasts, um, they become flatter. Um, and they create these wonderful flavor channels. Um but the first thing I did was I just seasoned it with some herbs. Some I have I've got an herb called garlic, and herb, and it's just a powder that I that I use. It's just a really good seasoning. And then I just did you pop- buy it that way? I did. Or did I you I bought formulate? I bought it I bought it actually. I didn't formulate it. No, okay. I bought it from okay. a little company called Blind Treasures. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, my friend Tony down there deserves a plug in Virginia because it's, uh, it's right. really a – sometimes yeah. he has a lot of spices and they're really good. And uh, I don't mean the good spices are good. Sometimes they're always good, but sometimes he has <laughs> the spices. <laughs> and they're very good. So uh, once I did that, I just um, made up a breadcrumb in my – Vitamix, uh, and I took some really crusty buns. Err, crusty buns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be good. <laughs> I know it's hard to do, isn't it? And it I, is. I just put them in the Vitamix and uh, made crumbs out of them, and then I added other <clears throat> spices. And it really doesn't matter what you add. 
Uh, but, but, but we just used some Italian seasonings and added them to the crumbs. And we literally pressed them into the chicken breast. Now, if I were to do it over again, I might use a little dredge and put a little uh, egg mixture and then maybe a little flour and then bread crumbed them because yeah, they didn't sure. they didn't get as crusty as I would have liked them and I and I think it's because we're using a little portable oven rather than regular oven our heat element went out and then we bake that off in the oven at three seventy five and we cooked it about an hour after it without was without the and without any sauce without any sauce okay and then um and then. The last 20 minutes, we used pizza sauce and covered it with pizza sauce and Parmesan cheese and put it back in and turned it all the way up to the broiling temperature mm. on the oven and put it in for, I'd say, 20 minutes. Oh, that's all there is to it, guys. Delish. And, and do uh, you top it with mozzarella or anything? Yes. Well, I forgot that part. Top it with mozzarella. So the Parmesan goes, you know, the Parmesan and the pizza sauce gets put on, and then it's topped with um, mozzarella. Before you put it under the broiler? Yep. Or after? Before. And it got all cheesy and crusty and pizza saucy, and it was just beautiful. And what did you, did you serve it on anything? My plate. Like pasta or? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you know what I did? This is, you're going to find this funny. I had some green beans on the side. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the funny part that you'll, that you'll probably think this is kind of weird, but I made some Greek fries in the air fryer. Oh, wow. And how I did those was I used Debbie's suggestion and um, I mixed olive oil, and then I've got actual Greek seasoning that comes in a little can. Oh, yum. And honest, oh. honestly, there were some of the best fries I ever have eaten. Olive oil is a secret to air fries. Well, Rick gave me that, too. Rick Morin told me that using olive oil was the way they do it with in Greece. Does he have a so. air fryer? Nope. No. Mm-mm. Go out and get an air fryer, Rick. You're going to really like it. Which reminds me, one of our listeners... I thought they said Blindikins or something on Twitter. They said they are a hazelnut, an official hazelnut. And in uh, New York, they're holding down New York as an official hazelnut. Really? And they said they got an air fryer, but they said theirs was 1,400 watts. And mm-hmm. I don't know what mine is. Jason thought his was how much? 1,800. So they got an earlier one, and I didn't know there was an earlier one. And they said... Theirs doesn't have any presets. Well, the New York... I didn't know that was... Yeah, the New York air fryers only have one <laughs> set of buttons because they probably figure... Well, never mind what they figure. <laughs> you can probably guess. <laughs> Maybe they figure they don't need them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that could be one way of putting it. I don't know, it, yeah. but they were a little confused uh, about what... Yeah, after Jason's demo, but they said that they just love this show. Well, good. And if you, you know, you may want to get a little sighted assistance if you can. If you can't, um, the best suggestion I could say is to look up your model, try to figure out what model you have, and uh, yeah. and look it up online that if you can. So you had the Greek fries, mm-hmm. 
And some green beans, did you say? Yes, I did. I said that. Uh huh. Yeah. Yum. Oh, yum, yum, yum. All those Greek fries yeah, were so good. Wow. And that, you know, that chicken parmesan, that would also be good on a bed of spinach or kale cooked. Oh, it yeah. would also be good on cooked quinoa pasta mm. or any other pasta, angel mm-hmm. hair. Mm-hmm. Cool. That sounds yeah. delicious. Mm-hmm. It was. Let's talk about your recipe now. Okay. All right. So I made beef marsala, and it was always something I always made as chicken marsala, just like you always saw veal and changed it to chicken. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw chicken and changed it to beef. <laughs> we don't eat much chicken anymore here, especially Miss Des doesn't want to eat chicken. So um, what I did was I got some round steak. And, you know, it wasn't conclusive to me by the directions on the package, whether it was top or bottom round, because I would think uh, top round would be less tough and bottom round would be more tough. You're right. Yeah. But it didn't say. It just said round, round steak. Well, anyway, um, they were thick. They were like an inch thick. And what I would... What I would suggest, which I didn't do, is to butterfly them, which Mm. is when Mm -hmm. you cut them into, you cut them right in half going across the middle so that each one is approximately a half an inch thick. Thinner, that's what you want to do. Thinner, yeah, cut them thinner. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do this, but you could always look for thinner steaks. Um, And it really wasn't tough. The thing is about cutting it thinner is I think the flavor goes more throughout. And I also didn't pound, which I had said I was going to. And you can do that with a mallet or you can use that uh, Denny's Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, tenderizer like what you just talked about. Mm -hmm. And I want to get one of those because that really does sound great. Mm -hmm, Um, You can also use an injector and inject your meat with a marinade. But the thing about... Um, pounding it or I guess even a marinade helps to make it more tenderized. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting. I thought it was just so much about flavor, but I have found with uh, some meat when I stir fried that by marinating it, it made it a whole lot more tender. Mm -hmm. You're right. So I took the meat and I I, uh, dredged it in flour, meaning I made a bowl of... uh, flour and some Himalayan salt and I put some pepper in there and um, I really thoroughly covered my meat. Now actually that would be good to do before pounding it Um, but anyway so I dredged the meat in the flour and then I I, uh, put some, I'm trying to remember what kind of oil, I think I did use olive oil in a skillet and I sautéed or, or browned these fillets on both sides just for a few minutes, just so that they were, I could tell by the texture that they were well cooked on both sides. And you can feel that and even hear that because mm-hmm. I think as it becomes more browned, the sound quality dies down a little bit. Um, so... 
Then I took some, I was really glad we had beef broth because when I make this with chicken marsala, I use chicken broth, but we actually had beef broth. So I put about oh, a cup or sometimes they'll say in a recipe like 10 ounces, which is a couple ounces more than a cup. I didn't measure it. I just put a, a fair amount of that in a bowl and I, it says a couple of tablespoons of brown gravy mix. Well, I ended up having some packets of that. So I just used about a half a packet of this brown gravy mix and I stirred it well into that bowl and I let that sit. And then I took a whole bunch of mushrooms and I wiped them off real well. Yeah, I never wash cut. your mushrooms, by the way. Right. Because I did not wash them. If you do, yeah. they will just get all slimy and disintegrate, and it's just ugh. Oh, ugh, I know. So I just wiped them well. Yep. I used to cut off a little tip of the stem, but I didn't even do that anymore. I used to. Um, so I cut them in half where they were really large or or in slices where they were extra large. And it doesn't even matter, like you could use a small package or you, I used a large package because they just taste so good in this dish. And I just threw them, I took the meat out and that way there was some drippings from the flour and the oil and the meat drippings all together. Well, and I, I threw these mushrooms in <laughs> and I let those mushrooms cook for, for, oh gosh, probably about five minutes. I just kept stirring them. And then I added in the, I think then I added three-fourths of a cup of Marsala wine. And I cooked that for just a couple of minutes, stirring it like on a medium, medium-high heat, medium-ish. And then I put my meat back in and I added my uh, gravy with the, you know, the gravy mix with the broth, I added all that in and I just kept stirring and well coating. And I mean, by then the house was smelling so good. Mm. And then the last thing I added was a half a stick of butter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you could probably add whatever you want if you don't want to use butter. I mean, maybe it would work with your coconut oil or maybe it would work with whatever smart balance or something. I'd probably use butter. So yeah. I just, yeah, so I stirred and, you know, and turned it on low, really a very, very low kind of, because by then I didn't want the wine to cook away the juices anymore. And so I just left that. And then I made zucchini ribbons. How did that go, you know, by the way? They went well once we figured out how these devices work, mm -hmm. these cute little cutters that actually have a handle on the inside mm -hmm. and you take that handle out and that's what that's what goes through the thing you want to peel and holds it and then you have the other one that actually has the peeler on it um and they're you know they're cute and the ribbons were really cool but i guess if i'm gonna make something that's supposed to look like pasta i really want it to taste i wanted a little more of a pasta taste but they were good and it did get her dad to eat a vegetable that he normally wouldn't bother with cool so that was pretty good i just cooked those ribbons i sauteed them in olive oil and himalayan salt and i added some garlic 
And that was about it. And we just put this over that. Now, another night we had leftovers and we had it over mashed potatoes, oh the marsala mm. and that sauce. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so delicioso. I'd like to add something is that these ribbons, they actually, if you have a KitchenAid mixer, any yeah. KitchenAid mixer all the way back from 1919, and I remember these mixers from back then, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. They actually will fit that mixer hub, and they being they have a spiral slicer corer maker. Yes, for these. I don't think we have KitchenAid. that attachment for that for the ribbons on our KitchenAid. Well, no, you actually have to buy them, and they're like, but they're okay. expensive. They're like ninety bucks for the attachment. Gosh, they. They had a. They talked about one last week for ribbons that mm-hmm. would also do curly fries and curly apple uh, oh. pieces and stuff. So I would oh. love to get one of those. And mm-hmm. if you'd like to contribute, anybody want to send them to us? <laughs> if you want to <laughs> contribute to the Hazelnuts Fund, the address is. That's right. <laughs> yes, it, you know. Unfortunately, we need things in duplicate. You know. Yeah, of course we do. <laughs> And, you know, because one has to show the other one how it works and how it fits in and, you know. That's right. So, uh, you know, uh, you guys get together but, the Hazelnuts oh. Committee and figure out who gets what. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, really good recipes, both of us, mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. yeah, so hope you enjoyed those. Well, I think sometimes during the week we tell each other things we want to remember. <laughs> and then we get busy. Yeah, and then we forget. As usual, we really are happy that you guys like what we do and, and your tweets and uh, just hearing from you guys. It's just great because, you know, we know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that you're I know, out there, you know? <laughs> that you're out there listening to this. You know what we should do is we should do a team talk. We should do a live show one of these weeks and, so that Brian could come in. I can hear W.C. Fields saying this. Oh, come on, let's get Brian here to play with his duck. <laughs> in the hazelnut kitchen <laughs> well there goes our ratings well kim keeps teasing him about talking too slow but when i'm in the kitchen and somebody's sleeping uh-huh. and you know i mean i don't talk very loud either and then the big r comes in i'm making guacamole <laughs> <laughs> upsets everybody's levels. Here he comes, here comes Big R in a Big R kitchen. Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> oh, God. Now, Brian oh, does, does great demos, and uh, we we are hoping that you guys come in and do demos and record them. That's oh, right. we are actually going to hear from another gentleman. I can't say which because he... Isn't sure that he's going to do one when. Um, I know that didn't make much sense, but (laughs) be that as it may, we are going to have some more demos, so that's cool. Yeah, and Larry, and what about what about the cocktail queen? Are we doing anything on that this time? No, next time I'll I I hadn't got to it, but uh, we actually have cocktail hour coming in from Lulu Harchin. So yay, yay Lulu! But don't worry, Lulu, we'll fit you in. Yeah. I was That's so right. happy Good. that she uh, tweeted with me and said that she really liked the show. And so great. And uh, she said, would you like to have some cocktail recipes? And 
We'd I, rather drink them, but it's okay. Yeah, well, I'll go over there and <laughs> have a cocktail with Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be fun. Hey, Lulu, you and Brian need to come to National. Come to ACB. With your cocktails. That's right. <laughs> Preparation of a roast duck. This is a grand experiment in that I have never cooked duck before, but I've done a lot of watching of YouTube videos on the subject. And we will start by first turning on the oven. That's on. This is bake. It starts at 350. I need to get it up to 450. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Brings it up from 350 to 450. And then I'll double check that the oven racks are in the right position for me to pop it in there. So far, so good. Now, what I have here is a five, a little over five pound whole duck. Get out of this plastic wrap here. Might as well keep the cupboard open or drawer open that has the garbage in it. Let's take a look at it. And it's, you know, in that standard plastic bag like you see whole chickens in. Get my kitchen shears here off the cutting block and cut off one end of the bag. Come on, give it a cut. Now this is a came frozen, but Rick has been letting it defrost in his refrigerator for a couple of days. So let's take this bag and run the scissors up the side of it as well as cutting that end off. Dump the duck here in the sink. And step one when cooking any poultry, any poultry, thoroughly wash it in cold water. So that's what I'm doing. It has the traditional flap where the neck used to be joined to the body. Of course, a couple of wings here. Do a little massage there with cold, cold running water. Do likewise on the other side. Unlike a chicken, it is an extra joint to the wing. I just noticed. I don't know that much about the anatomy of a duck. I'm turning it breast side up. We need to wash there. Quite the tail segment on here. The legs are very much chicken-like, except that they seem to be small compared to the body of the bird. Okay, thoroughly washed on the outside. Now let's pull out the chicken neck from inside the cavity. Set that aside. There's also in there the liver. The light, so I'm setting those aside, then washing in the cavity of the bird, making sure that there ain't nothing in there that don't belong. And there we go. So now let's turn off the water, let that continue to drain. And while that's going on, I will pull down a bowl here to put the liver and 
such whatnot in a bowl for later use. The package also included a packet of orange glaze. So let's gather up the liver and other giblets and the neck. Let's see, and over here's the rest of it. All in a lovely little bowl which I will set aside. And who knows, I might even make some duck stock out of that. Okay, next item to be performed is to dry off the duck. So plenty of paper toweling here. I have it on the counter on one of those posts that stand upright. There you hear it being torn off. Fold that up into a more manageable length than six or so. Okay, more like 10 squares of paper toweling here. And I'm going to take the bird out of the sink, place it on the counter here to the right of the sink. Give it a little shake here. Get as much water off of it that way as possible. And then lay the duck on the paper towel to drain a little bit. While that's going on, quick wash of the hands. Maybe not with quite that cold of water. Ooh. All right. I carry a towel over my shoulder when I'm cooking most of the time. So it's right here for me to dry my hands off because I'm a chronic washer. Let's put that on the other shoulder so I'm not interfering with the microphone so much. Now, while I'm letting that rest for a little bit, I'm going to get out some things to stuff into the bird. I have some celery. Good aromatic, that. I'm going to be putting some carrot in there, another aromatic. And, let's see, no, the rest of that. Going to the other side over here, the second bin. I'm not going to put onion in it, but rather I'm going to, oh, nothing else on that side. I'm going to put in some garlic. So the garlic is up here. Not, don't keep that in the fridge. Keep it in a bag up here on top of the canisters. And I'll pull out one head of garlic. And then we will get started in prepping things for the inside of the bird. Let's start by getting some celery. Some celery. Give it a wash. We're not going to be eating this celery, it's strictly to, to flavor the bird. There's the celery. I better get another bowl out to put things in temporarily before I stuff it into the bird. There's a bowl from that cupboard. Back over to the cutting board and over to where the knives are kept and get my chef's knife. I use a 
12 inch chef knife, longer than most. I'm going to cut off the bottom inch and a half or so of this head of celery. We call it a head, I suppose. And then I'm going to, because it's a little limp, I'm going to cut off about the same length at the other end of that celery. And then I'm going to take the remainder and cut it into about oh, two inch or so lengths with three cuts. So it helps to have a sharp knife. So I now am placing that all into my bowl and turn my attention to the carrots. Now these are those pre-peeled what they call baby carrots. They'll probably start as much bigger carrots and then are kind of milled down to this size. I'm going to take a fistful of those onto my cutting board. They come in that plastic bag with kind of a Ziploc top edge to it. Leave that back there. Take these and simply cut each one in half and add it to my bowl. Cutting them in half should release some more of the flavor that's in them. There we go. Just keep going here. That's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. So I've got carrot in there. Now comes to, oh, here's an eleventh one that snuck away from me. He's destined for greatness, that one is. Now I pull down my garlic and I set the head down and then it snuck away. There it is, okay. Again, pull out that drawer, give a twist to the stem end of this head of garlic. And I'm just kind of rubbing it between my slightly wet hands to rub off the easiest outer layer of this head. I'm not doing it to individual cloves as of yet. That all off. There's the oven announcing that it's reached 400 degrees, so it's faster than I am. But I knew I would forget, and you need to give your oven a time to come up to temperature. All right. So I'm not going to be peeling individual cloves of garlic. Rather, what I'm going to be doing is cutting the stem end about a third of the way up to open the top edge of all of the cloves in this head. Okay, I'll sweep those into the trash. I wish I could compost, but my house is not set up, my yard is not set up for that. So now I've got that head of garlic, which I'll put in there, in the duck that is. Quick hand wash, turn to the fruit basket over here, where I have one orange set aside. Smells okay, not too old, that kind of thing. I'm going to take that same chef's knife and I'm going to cut this orange into quarters. Nothing more than that, just quarters. I cut it pole to pole and then 
crosswise into quarter. And those, I'm going to drop them in with my veg. I'm going to give them a squeeze and drop in there, and there, and there. So, I'm just going to set that aside over here on the same side of the counter as the duck is resting. Again, hands give a quick wash. Towel over the shoulder to dry. I am going to turn to the question of spices. So again, I'm going to pull out a bowl over here, quite small bowl, and set that on my counter. I'm going to need salt. So I'm reaching for where my spices are kept. Rotate the Susan, look on the back here for the kosher salt. Everything in the cupboard is labeled in braille. And since I'm making a rub, it doesn't have to be really precise measurements here. I'm just gonna pour enough in there that I think I've got about two teaspoons of salt. Now, more than that, that should be about right. So done with the salt. Now, I'm going to need black pepper. So I keep a pepper grinder on the back of the stove here. So I'm going to do quite a bit of grinding of fresh ground black pepper into my spice bowl here. <laughs> Occasionally tipping it upside down to get the corns to redistribute around the grinder. That's what you hear there. Salt and pepper, S&P. Put that back up here. Okay, what other spice might I want to add to this? I'm going to, again, reach to my spice cupboard here and give it a little twist. And let's see what we've got here that would be appropriate for poultry. I am going to see if I can put my hands on, not that one, thyme. I'm going to put a little thyme in there. I always think of thyme when it comes to poultry. So why not a little thyme? Thyme has kind of a lemony thing, so keeping with the citrus kind of format for what we're working on here. Put a bit of thyme in there. sound like more than it is. It's coming out pretty slow. Could have measured it out, but I'm, I'm in a sprinkle mood, I guess. There's that. Put that back so that I don't end up creating a mess for myself, all things considered. Where's that kosher salt? Put that away while I'm at it. There we go. Alright, so pretty simple in terms of what I intend to do for this spice rub. Just give it a brief stir here to incorporate everything in there. And now our attention goes back to the duck, but maybe first I should go get my roaster pan. Because when you put this in the oven, you want to make sure that it's in a big enough pan and that it is resting on a rack 
because duck is very, very fatty. And so you need there, you don't want it cooking and resting in its own fat juices. So I'm going into the back room here where I keep appliances and seldom used uh, pieces of cooking gear. And here is my turkey roaster. It's a bit of an overkill for the size of this bird. This duck will feed uh, three or four people, unless your name is Brian and Rick. And then it may only feed two people. We shall see. So here is my rack in my roaster pan. I'll set that on the stove over here. I've got one of those flat stoves with the kind of the pictures of burners on it. And now I'll return my attention to my duck. So remember, it's been resting on paper toweling over here, and I'm going to get even more paper toweling because the trick, one of the tricks to good roast duck, according to what I hear, is a very dry skin to start with. If it's a wet skin, then it's not going to achieve the crispiness that people think of when they think of roast duck. Patting dry, flipping over. Did you totally soak that? Nope. I'm going to flip the paper towel pad over and put the duck breast side down there and pat it some more. There's always more paper towel. This duck is about a $20 duck. You know, they are not particularly cheap per pound. So you might as well use up some paper towel and get it done right rather than be stingy with the paper towel and end up with a not crispy duck. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying under the poor bird's armpits and everything. Okay. Flip again, buddy. Make sure you're as dry as I can make you. It's pretty dry. It's pretty dry. All right. So now I'm going to take him now that he's dry. Make sure I haven't got any pieces of paper towel attached to his lordship here. Back over to my cutting board. And I am going to do the next thing that I hear about when you cook duck. And that is I am going to, one, twist his wings in such a way that the wing is kind of behind his back. So I've twisted it inward and under with the left wing and now I'm doing the same thing, twisting in and under with the right wing. So those tips of that will not burn that way. Next, I'm going to get a skewer over here. Here's a skewer, oops, there we go, there's a skewer. This is from uh, doing you know, shish kebab on the grill. And I'm going to proceed to poke into this duck breast multiple times, trying to break through the skin but not into the meat any more than I have to. I think you might be, be able to hear all the poking going on. I'm told you can't poke too often 
the goal here is to give their a way for the fat that's between the meat of the bird and the skin of the bird an opportunity, a channel, to leak out during the roasting process. Boy, is that a lot of poking? I'm still poking, 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 poking. There's probably 50 holes poked now in the skin of the breast of this. I'm going to do similar to the legs, though less so than I did to the breast, because there is quite a bit of fat where the leg joint meets the rest of the bird. Okay, I think that's pretty much that. Drop that in the sink. Now comes the seasoning of the bird. So I strictly with my hands I'm going to take about half of what I've got in that bowl, tip the bird so that the cavity is upmost and toss that in there and then reach my hand in and move that seasoning around because you got to season the inside of the bird as well as the outside of the bird. Then I'm going to take the remainder and tip it out and onto the bird while I rub the bird down with the remaining seasoning here. Okay. So, I've got it all over the breast. I'm doing the wings and the legs as well. Okay, now I'm going to take that tail I talked about earlier and turn it to my its right. Set the spice bowl in the sink. Come over for the bowl that we placed all those vegetables and oranges in and open that cavity and shove as deep in as I can one of the quarters of orange then reach for some of the celery and carrot stuff that in there a little more celery and carrot in it goes then I've secured here that whole head of garlic with the end cut off, and that's going inside. And another quarter of this orange in there. Still, it's not full. Some more veg in there. There we go. A little more veg to go in there. And then let's see, there should be room for one more quarter orange there. And I'm going to take that tail and see if I can break it a little bit. There, you heard that snap. So I can tuck the tail into the cavity to close up that end. And I was pretty successful at doing that, my friends. There we go. All right. Well, popped right back out again. I may end up needing to use a bamboo skewer to hold that closed. So, wash off the hands. Dry it off a 
get the towel off the shoulder. Plot the drawer where I keep such things. Right in there. Did somebody else rescue you from my dirty clutches? Yeah, somebody saved me from myself. So that's not going to work. And the big skewers are too much. Well, I think it just may have to rest on natural then. All right. Now I'm going to transfer the bird over to my roasting pan and I'm going to put it in that roasting pan breast side down. And again, remember that this isn't a rack. So in that rack, it now is suspended over the pan itself. And a little bit more wash to the hands. Touching raw chicken or raw duck or raw meat in general. You got to keep doing that. And, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached that point of our performance where we open the oven. Remember, it's 450 degrees. And we take the roaster pan, duck and all, and we slide it into that oven. Close it and immediately turn the temperature down. Now, because I want to make sure, I'm actually going to turn the oven off and back on again and on bake. Now, that resets itself each time I turn it off back down to 350, which is where I want it to be as this duck roasts. It's been two hours since I popped the duck in to the oven. One hour into the roast, I took the pan out and flipped the duck breast side up. I'm now back an hour the second time. Can you hear that? All that lovely duck fat rendering down into the pan. Let me draw this out. Sizzle, sizzle, sizzle. Got a couple of hot pads here, of course that I'm using to grip the pan and bring it from in the oven to on the stove top. Close the oven up and let's take a look at how Birdie is doing. Okay, by no means is it crisped up as of yet. So I am going to flip the bird again I'm taking these two hot pads and gripping the bird at the neck end, if you will, and by the two drumsticks, lifting it off the rack. At least this is my hope. It doesn't seem to want to give up over on that side, so I think what's happening is a wing is entangled in the... There, I got it out. 180 degrees. Here's some of the fat dripping off there, and replace it in, breast side down, for the third hour. Uh, oops, I got my hot pad a bit in the grease, so I'm going to toss that over here in the sink. That'll go in the wash later, and grab a new hot pad. 
open that oven up again. Remember, it's at 350 degrees. And reinsert my duck back in the oven for the third hour of the roast. Use my Apple watch here to say... 6.21 p.m. Set alarm for one hour. And it responds by saying alarm. Alarms. Alarm. 3.23 p.m. Alarm. Four. Alarm. 5.09 p.m. Alarm. 6.11 p.m. Alarm. 6.43 p.m. Off. Alarm. 7.21 p.m. On. So at 7.21, I come back up and I inspect said bird after three full hours of roasting. Get over here and wash my hands. Three full hours of roasting, and at that point, I'll use a meat thermometer to see what the temperature is. We're looking for between 165 and 170 degrees in the thickest part of the thigh joint, where the thigh meets the body of the bird, as it were. So, and at that point, uh, I will also be coming up at about 7 o'clock to begin the other two preparations for dinner. Specifically, we're doing Moroccan rice, which is um, rice that's first sautéed uh, in some oil and butter. Uh, onion is chopped up and added to that, fine chopped onion, and chopped apricots, and chicken stock, and some cumin, and salt and pepper. And then from there, I will move on to, almost when it's done, stir in some slivered almonds. Would you like to have Cooking with the Hazelnuts as a podcast? You can subscribe manually. The URL is http colon slash slash acbradio.org slash hazelnuts.xml. Thank you for listening. If you don't want to subscribe to the podcast manually, you can put it into your favorite aggregator. We are Apple approved. Just use your favorite aggregator, such as Downcast, Overcast, Podcast, or QCast for your computer. Enter in Cooking with the Hazelnuts. Hit subscribe, and you're done. You will now be subscribed to Cooking with the Hazelnuts. And I hope you do. Tell your friends. I happened to listen to the Yin Yang show with Brian and Rick that evening. I heard the duck turned out fantastic. They ate it right on the air. Mmm. I could almost smell it. We Thanks, can, uh, everyone. Yeah, this has been another... Thanks for putting up with our folly. <laughs> and our fowl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because there's some chicken in there. And, and duck. <laughs> and plenty of beef. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Duck. Oh, Brian, you hit me right in the head. Duck. Go back to your own show, Brian. <laughs>